0: We're going to take some time to walk through the Word of God together tonight. It's going to be a good night in His Word. Blessings to all of you. You're looking wonderful. Welcome home, King of Kings family and members. Uh, Welcome everybody watching online as well, Kings Community Live, Facebook Live, YouTube, other platforms around the world. Welcome to Jerusalem. We're so happy you're here with us today. Um, And we do say Happy Third New Year to you this year. So, Happy New Year. Uh, those of you that are familiar with that practice, uh, obviously you have your God-appointed New Year, Nisan 1, and uh, that's two weeks before Pesach, and then you've got your kind of modern Israel and spiritual New Year at Rosh Hashanah, the blowing of the trumpets, and then you have this Gregorian New Year that we are now all uh, part of that circle as well, so happy third New Year, hopefully. I said to the team before service, it's kind of like God is just like, guys, you know, you need as many new starts as you can get. So, just keep repenting, and that's a great, great response to that. But we're glad you're here tonight. You know, we've got some very special people here tonight, and I, I just want to be careful that I, that I do this in a sensitive nature. But we do have the leaders of, of some of the other King of Kings congregations here tonight. The leaders of Elahi Melek are here, and uh, they haven't gotten a chance to be with us for a while because of security reasons. But we're so happy they're here with us tonight. So, bless you guys. Uh, we love you, we miss you. And for security reasons, I don't, I don't mention their name at this point, but we're blessed that you're here with us, you and your family. We also um, had an expanded family this week. Are you ready for this? Listen, we have a brand new family member congregation in the King of Kings family, and it is called Kehilat Puria. And the newly appointed leader happens to be with us tonight Pastor James, welcome here. Glad you are on the front row. Very excited for you. We, we were with uh, you and the, new, in the it's new congregation to the King of Kings family, but it's not a new congregation. It's 18 years old. Eric and Terry Morey are the planting and founding members. They're doing a wonderful job, and, and I got a chance to be with you at that campus this past Friday night for Shabbat. What a wonderful time. We did kind of an official baton toss. They officially came into King of Kings. We installed you as elder, and, uh, and I know you're, you're, you're finding a new place to live up there, but uh, we're so happy for you. and and Melissa and all that you mean to our congregation and really to the network of congregations here at King of Kings. So what an exciting time to just get family. You know, you guys are family with us. Those of you online, I wanted to mention a few of the countries because I didn't get to do it last week. Uh, Welcome from Poland, all around the United States, also other parts of Israel, from the Philippines, from the Netherlands. Uh, People are watching from Kenya and Norway, Austria, Australia, Finland, Slovakia, Brazil, Singapore, Trinidad and Tobago. I don't know if that's Trinidad and Tobago or if it's just one place they're watching from, but maybe two places. Canada, Indonesia, the Czech Republic, India, China, South America, South Africa, France, and many others. We welcome you. To King of Kings, glad you are with us tonight. Listen, I promised you one of those important announcements, and we're going to dive into the word. That important announcement is this. We always want to be, one of our, our pillar vision points at King of Kings is that we want to be a catalyst of unity for the whole body of Messiah. Now, we do that in lots of ways. We do that with our prayer centers and our counseling centers and our soup kitchens and our distribution centers and our Aliyah help centers and things like that. We do it through planting new congregations and adopting adopting congregations from all over the country in various languages. We have lots of languages in our our community. I mentioned a few weeks ago, we opened a brand new congregation in Batyam, and they speak a mixture of Hebrew and Portuguese, right? They're new, Kedur Sheleg, to the King of Kings family. But another way that we do it is we try to promote opportunities for other congregations, not just our own, but other congregations to come together and their pastors to come together, worship teams to come together, and to have nights of prayer and intercession and worship together. Now, we've been doing this historically. We did one in November to a great success. Well, the next one is on the calendar. We planned it this past week, so I'm announcing it to you. The pastors have already been told in Jerusalem, but if you're anywhere near Jerusalem, or even if you want to drive in, write this down. Wednesday night, January the 10th. It's about a week and a half away. Wednesday night, January the 10th, right up the stairs in the Celebration Center. So we get the pleasure of hosting again. And we've got a commitment from, I believe 22 congregations have already committed to join us that night. So you better get there early because those of you that were there last time, you might remember there were no seats left. That's not an exaggeration. There were literally no seats left. There was also no air conditioning left. Uh, I don't know if you remember that. That was... That was before we got the cold front. So praise God, it should feel a little better this time. Um, The early birds took all the AC. But it was a great night of prayer, intercession, and worship. Come and join us. Be part of the wider body of Messiah. Be part of a catalyst of unity. Okay, let's dive into part two from last week. Part one was last week. Part two was this week. We're talking about what should Israel look like? What should Israel look like? And as a quick recap, you can always go to the archives and check this out. Oh, before I get any further, I got—I got to just mention. Thank you, Holy Spirit, to remember. Our, it wasn't just that the congregations got bigger; our community got bigger this week. Those of you that know Dan and Angelica, they just had a baby this week. So, Hallelujah, Mazal <laughs> Tov, Dan. And you might have said, hey, I thought the video announcements were a little different today. Normally, there's the slides and somebody is talking over the slides. And you notice today, it was a little quieter. There was no one talking over the slides. Well, that part happened while Dan was having a baby. Or his wife was having a baby, but he was right there next to her. So we said, look, just make it simple, however we can do it, plain vanilla. We're so happy to have the new baby, the new baby boy, Eliab Boaz, I believe. And uh, thank you. Bless you, Mazaltov, Dan, Angelica. We bless you guys. So our, not only the, 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 the whole network got bigger, our own congregation got bigger. That's why we always talk about kingdom expansion mentality. Everything God touches grows, expands, and multiplies. Don't forget that. If it's, if, it, if it's decaying, that's, that's got Satan's fingerprint on it, right? We grow here. Listen, you can grow the kingdom of God in three ways, friends. I've taught you this many years. You can bring new believers to the Lord. You can get Jewish believers to come home and make Aliyah to Israel. That's how the body can grow. Or you can just have lots of babies in Israel. All of it is fair game. I say let's do all of it. Amen. Listen, multiple times in the Bible we read that Yeshua is called the king of Israel. He's also called the king of the Jews, whether this was spoken by the prophets or whether it was a part of his earthly birth, remember that happened at his birth on earth, or by the disciples themselves, or by Pilate at the trial. And last week, we sought to define, therefore, what is Yeshua the king of exactly? When you say he's the king of Israel, he's the king of the Jews, what does that mean? He's the king of what? And we sought to define that. We defined a little bit of what was Israel. We defined what was a Jewish person. Who are the Jews? Who are they? We defined that. We also answered an important question. We realized that currently, Israel does not hold the prophesied boundaries That are spoken of in the Bible in Genesis 15, Exodus 23, Numbers 34, and Ezekiel 47. And we said to ourselves, even though we don't currently hold those borders, is it okay to be part of the peoplehood, to pour into what Israel is doing, and to believe in those prophetic words, even though we're not there yet? Now, we answered the question last week by saying, yes, it is okay, because that is how the kingdom of God works. God doesn't stop his covenant just because we're, we haven't arrived there yet in maturity. The Bible says that he gives us apostles and prophets and pastors and teachers and evangelists to equip the body until we all reach unity of the faith and we reach the maturity of the faith. So that means we're on a journey, we're going somewhere, we're not there yet, and yet the covenant of God still holds us. And we said, it's, it's a good thing that when the Jewish people are not in mass numbers as a total nation. They're not following the Lord Yeshua yet. So maybe in that way they are not fulfilling to their fullness yet, they will, not yet. But it's a good thing that he didn't strip his covenant from them because if he did that, then where the body of Messiah falls short, he should have already stripped his covenant from us. And then we went over all kind of statistics last week that made that point very relevant. God is a covenant-keeping God. He loves to make promises. He loves to keep promises. He's not slow, as some of us suppose. He is patient while we reach maturity. Israel is not mature today. But we want to walk on a journey with Israel, with the Jewish people, till they reach the fullness of their calling. And we're going to be patient. And we're going to love them and serve them along the way. So now that we've spoken of that as a, as a recap from last week, and we've spoken of the prophecies of Yeshua being the King of Israel and the King of the Jews. As a matter of fact, last week we even put up a map of today's modern Israel versus a map of the prophesied Israel, and you notice the humongous. What was great about last week was when we put up the prophesied Israel, there was like this big gasp in the audience. Like, oh, I forgot how big it was supposed to be because we're so tiny now. Hang in there. God's doing a great thing. I don't know how He's going to do it. I'm glad He's doing it, not me. But we acknowledge that there's a fullness coming according to prophecy. So, when I say the question tonight, and I ask the same question again what should Israel look like? Tonight, I'm not talking about boundaries, I'm not talking about borders. Tonight, I'm talking about what should we, the people, look like. How should we live? What are we maturing into? I'm talking about that type of what should we look like. So let's remember, as we start on this journey tonight, what should we look like? Well, let's first start with this question of why were the Jewish people chosen? Before you can get to what you, what should you be, You might first ask the question is, how did you even get that calling to be that? Go back in time and you have to go to, well, what were they called for? Why? What's the why behind all of this? And we start in Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy 7, 6 and 7. God says, for you are a people holy to the Lord your God. The Lord your God has chosen you out of all the peoples of the face of the earth to be his people. His treasured possessions. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples for you were the fewest of all peoples. So again, we're called his people, his treasured possessions. No, you didn't do anything. No, you weren't big and strong. No, you were not impressive. That's not why I chose you, but I still chose you. So therefore, we have to come to our first key phrase of the night. Israel was not chosen because of something they had done, but for something they were being asked to do. The chosenness of Israel is a job description. It is not a name tag, we say that, you know? You don't get to, the Jewish people were never supposed to walk around with like a, an Israel jersey that said chosen on the back and just, just so everybody remembers. I'm chosen, we're chosen. No, it was a job description. They hadn't accomplished anything when God chose them. It was a job description of what they were going to be called to do. And we notice that phrase, his people and his treasured possessions. So what was Israel supposed to be when God gives them such a great offer? He says, you're going to be my people, right? And you're going to be my treasured possession, right? So what were you supposed to be in terms of that? Well, Deuteronomy 10 helps us a little bit here. Deuteronomy 10 verse 12 and now Israel. What does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to him, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all of your soul, and and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I'm giving you today for your own good. To the Lord your God belong the heavens, even the highest heavens, the earth and everything in it, Yet the Lord set his affection on you and your ancestors and loved them, and he chose you, their descendants, above all the nations as it is today. So again, you have this chosenness passage. You have this, but you're my people passage. You're, you're somehow special in one sense of the word. And these two selections speak of a chosenness. But not a chosenness that just sits on a shelf, It's a chosenness that comes with responsibility. And I think that's maybe where some of us forget about the covenant that they made with God. You know, we could also go back to the origins of the covenant itself with Abraham, where this whole thing started. The whole process began about being chosen. Genesis chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, from your people And from your father's household to the land, I will show you, and I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. And when the whole nation was finally brought together out of Egypt, when they escaped Egypt by the hand of the Lord at Pesach, we have Exodus 19, verse 5. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations You will be a treasured possession, and although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. You see, these are compilation scriptures that form a pattern, and we can see that Israel was not called because they were mighty, but they were called for a purpose. The purpose they were called for was in the last verse. You were called to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation, a treasured possession which means by the very nature of that calling, you, Israel, you, Jewish people, you do not get to live like everyone else. You don't get to do it. You're called to live holy, separate, consecrated lives. You cannot be like the other nations. You're called to be a priest nation, not a follower nation, a leadership nation. You were called to be an example nation. Don't do it like they do it. Set a better example and make them follow you. That's what Israel was called to do. And that's why even in the Messianic Jewish world, you know, it's, it's, a, good, it's a good point to bring up because we just came through holidays and you can tell a lot of people are still traveling. But even during certain holidays of the year, and it comes around two or three times a year, we have this sense of, ah, do we participate or do we not participate? Do we jump in or do we do it like half-hearted? Like, where do you go? Well, part of that angst, you have to understand from a Messianic Jewish point of view, it comes from the idea of we are not supposed to join in with the nations to do their thing. And that's where the tension comes from. And then we have to find ways to say, okay, we're not, we're not doing it like the nations. We're not doing it for their reasoning. We're doing it for a different reason. And then, and then others have a sense of, okay, that, that means I can kind of latch on and dive in and, and participate. And others still feel like, I can't, I can't. The Bible says don't do that. And so there's this, what I consider a holy tension, and it's okay. God will lead you. The Holy Spirit will instruct you. He will give you wisdom when you need it. But that's where it comes from. It doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from these types of passages, knowing that Israel was called to be a leadership, priestly, example nation, and they were actually commanded, do not do it the way the nations do it. That's where that comes from. It's where the tension comes from. So, therefore, what should it look like? Now that we understand the calling... Well, let's look at a couple of other passages that might help fill in the gaps. Deuteronomy 18, verse 9. When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways of the nations. That's where it comes from. When we start to look too much like the people around us and we live like them, we talk like them, we watch like them, we type like them, we Facebook like them, We celebrate like them. We eat like them. All of that, we've been warned. Don't do that. That is not what you were called to do. Now, again, maybe there's Jewish people in the house today. I know there's a bunch of us. I'm not Jewish. I always remind you of that. I'm married into a Jewish family. I was uh, raised in a Jewish home. But there are Jews in our family here, and there are non-Jews in our family here. If you're not Jewish... Maybe you're not saying to yourself, maybe I, I don't have to, have to being the word, I don't have to attach the same way to these covenant commandments, and, and maybe, maybe that's true. Maybe that's where you're at. Maybe the Holy Spirit is guiding you down that path right now. But if you want to, and I'm not sure why you would not want to, if you want to, it's all available to you. And what did it say? Remember the verse I just read up there? And it said, I'm doing this and I'm teaching you this for your own good. And when God says to me, I'm sharing this to you, I'm sharing this with you for your own good, brother, sister, I'm trying to run toward that. I'm not trying to run away from that. But that's me. You might do it differently. But these compilation scriptures, you're going to see a theme. Look at Deuteronomy 14, 1 and 2. You are the children of the Lord your God. Do not cut yourselves or shave the front of your heads for the dead people. For you are a people holy to the Lord your God. Out of all the peoples of the face of the earth, the Lord has chosen you to be his treasured possession. So again, just because you see them do it, you don't do it like them. Deuteronomy 26, 18. And the Lord has declared this day that you are his people, his treasured possession, as he promised. He promised and that you are to keep all of his commandments, he has declared that he will set you in praise, in fame, and in honor, high above all the nations that he has made, and that you will be a people holy to the Lord as he promised. How? When? Why? Because you don't do it like them. You're a leadership nation, priestly nation, example nation. Do not do what they do. Don't be influenced by them. You influence them. And I think the body of Messiah today needs to hear this word because we are in a, an age right now, whether it's through education, indoctrination, and poison, or whether it's through university poison, or whether it's through media poison, or whether it's through social media poison, or whatever it may be, intimidating spirits in the world, we are so influential. that I just make up a word. I could have. I like it. Write that down. (laughs) Instead of being the influencers, we are being influenced by the world. And for some reason, people of God, there seems to be a draw in us to try to look as much like the world as we can without crossing a line. If we could just be cool enough, sing the right songs, look just like them, work like them, live like them, eat like them, whatever it may be, it's almost like we just want to snuggle up next to the way the world does it because maybe they'll listen to our message. And if we have not learned anything in the last 2,000 or more years, it is not, we don't snuggle up next to the nations and hope they listen to you. You live different than them separate from them. And in that separation, you have power of the Holy Spirit. And that is why they listen to you. Not because you look like them. And the sooner we learn this, the more effective we'll be. Be careful, people of God, how you're being influenced, what you're choosing, how you're choosing to live your life. And what what are you basing that off of? We want the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, but we must live differently because with a calling comes that responsibility. And you might say, man, that's a heavy weight. Yeah, but look at it this way. Look at the good side of this. Israel also does not get treated like the other nations. But if you want to be treated a certain way, you need to live a certain way. You want the blessing part of it, you have the responsibility part of it as well. God's not just going to put a bunch of weight on your shoulders and be like, hey, good luck with that. No, it's, hey, guess what? You get power that no one else gets. You get a covenant that no one else gets. You get promises that no one else gets. You get a land that no one else gets. But living in that responsibility is important. So we continue. The main reason that Israel needed to live separate from the nations is that they would be consecrated and made holy to the Lord in order to live a priestly life. A priestly life. What a, just Now just imagine a priest. A priest has to serve in a particular way. They have to live a certain life. A priest had to marry a certain kind of person. Go back in the Torah and look at it. They had specifications on who they could marry. They had to wear special garments. They had to eat special food. They had to say special prayers. There was a script for them. There was discipline for them. There was patterns for them because they were not like everyone else. They were the priests. And as a priestly nation, our Jewish people have to remember as a priestly nation, we don't live like everyone else because we're consecrated, set apart, we're different in order to fulfill that calling. You want to be called to a higher destiny, well, that comes with higher responsibility. Now, you might say, I don't know if I like that philosophy, Pastor Chad. I, this concept that you're putting out there, higher calling, higher responsibility, I don't like it. Well, I had a meeting one time with a gentleman who said the same thing to me. Many years ago, I was, I was leading a, a, a congregation in the United States before we made Aliyah here to Israel. And there was, a, there was a deacon. He has since passed away. Uh, and I just want to preface this story that we were really good friends at the end before he passed, and I was asked to do his funeral, of course, and our family's very connected. It, the story ends very well. It's very important that you know that because I'm about to tell you the beginning of the story, and it didn't start well. The, the ending was great. The beginning, not so good. The beginning of our relationship was He was a deacon at the congregation, and he was a a worship leader, and we had seen some things in his character that needed to be addressed. So the elders called him in, and we addressed them in love, in gentleness, and encouraged him. We didn't sit him down. We just said, hey, we need you to make some changes, and we're going to walk with you. And he said, I'm not going to make those changes. And I said, well, listen, here's how it works if you want to be a leader in this congregation, you want to be on this stage, then you're going to be called to a higher standard of righteous living. And he said, that's not right. Hmm. I said, well, listen, it's, that's not like a rule I made up. Like, they didn't just make that up today. That's actually in the Bible. He said, I've never heard of that. I said, whew. Maybe you don't need to be a deacon then. My goodness. I said, have you never read 1 Timothy chapter 3, Titus chapter 1, Acts chapter 6, and more? He said, what are you talking about? I said, well, this seems like a teachable moment. Let's grab a Bible. So we took the Bible out. We read all of the prerequisites of being a leader. Like you don't get to be a leader if you don't fulfill these things. You don't get to have that calling without these responsibilities. And he said, I don't like the way you're interpreting that. I said, brother, there was no commentary. I didn't even say anything. All I did was read you the verses. If you don't like the commentary, then you need to talk to the Holy Spirit. He's the one giving commentary right now in your head. It took him a couple of years to figure it out, come back around and be like, oh, I think you're right. With a higher calling comes greater responsibility. I don't just get to be a kingdom of priests and live however I want. I have to. Stay within the boundaries of the covenant that God has given. And that's what Israel was called to be. That's what Israel is supposed to look like. Remember what Exodus 19.6 says, Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites, all of the descendants. They were called to be a priestly nation. So what does a priest do? They teach the Israelites how to worship how to understand the word of God, how to interpret the Torah and apply it to their life, how to do the sacrifices, how to celebrate God's appointed times and festivals, how to apply the commands of God to their lives. And in turn, all of the Israelites would learn from the priests and then the Israelites were to take these same lessons and go influence the nations with them. Not the other way around. You don't let the nations into your country and try to do it the way they do it. It's backwards. You learn and you go teach them what the kingdom of God is like. How to keep the Sabbath. How to keep kosher laws. How to keep God's appointed times and his calendar that he set out. How to treat the poor. How to treat the foreigner with respect. How to forgive people's debt on the year of Jubilee. Having discipline within your family. Having right order of leadership in your community. All of these elements were very, very new to the world. And God was letting them come through Israel. Israel was to example them in front of all the nations about why obeying God always worked out for their good. That's what it means to be a priest. Now, again, on the positive side, yes, there's great responsibility, but there's great blessing. And one of the greatest blessings of Israel when they walk in their God-created destiny and they are separate from the nations, and they're being the example, and the priests that they're supposed to be, is that we talk about an order of revelation. And this is an important theological point. It's a benefit from being in the covenant of the Jewish people, the order of revelation. You say, I've never heard of that. Well, great, I'll tell you. When God wanted to introduce the concept of monotheism, meaning there's only one real God, He gave that revelation to Abraham and his family first. Obviously, people before that already knew. I mean, Adam knew and, right? Seth knew and Noah knew, but then you have the flood and you kind of got to teach everybody again after Noah. And Abraham got the revelation of one God. And then we get the book of the covenant, the laws of God. Before all the commentary and the history and the geography and the Torah, there's the book of the covenant, and then you get the, the bigger Torah that we know of today, which has all the extras in it. And then you get the prophets, and you get the judges, and, and you get the concepts of a temple and a tabernacle and sacrifices and repentance and cleansing and atonement and redemption. And you get, you get widows that are taken care of and the poor that are taken care of and the slaves that are set free and the debt that gets erased. And all of these revelations are coming from heaven, and every one of them comes to Israel first. Israel gets the revelation first. Then, Israel gives the revelation to the rest of the world. It continues. Messiah, well, he came to Israel first too, didn't he? The New Testament, written mainly by the Jews for the Jews first. The Gospel, to the Jew first, then to the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit, well, in the temple, fell on the Jews first, then to the rest of the world. The Epistle writings and the Revelation of John and... The order of revelation is a benefit of carrying that heavy weight of responsibility. You want to carry the responsibility, you got to live separate. But a reward of that is, I'm going to let you be a blessing to the whole world by this order of revelation. Every major thing, every major revelation in the world spiritually comes from heaven to Israel, then Israel to the world, including the first great revival in Acts chapter 2. Started in Israel first, then to the rest of the world, then you know, you get Acts 1, 8, and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, then you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It starts in Israel first, then it starts to spread out. That's how it's going to be according to Romans 11. That order of revelation is intact because the covenant of God with Israel is still intact. The next great and maybe last revival of this world. That harvest before the Lord's return is going to start in Israel first because that's where every other great revelation of the scripture starts. And that's a benefit of being part of this covenant, being part of that priesthood calling. That's what Paul understood a lot of this in Romans chapter 9 verse 3. For I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from the Messiah for the sake of my people, those of my own race, the people of Israel. Theirs is the adoption of sonship. Theirs is the divine glory. Theirs is the covenant. Theirs is the receiving of the law. Theirs is the temple worship and the promises. Theirs is the patriarchs. And from them is traced human ancestry of the Messiah who is God over all forever praised. You see, Paul got it. Paul understood that that's how the process of revelations always acted. It went from heaven to Israel, Israel to the world. Let me give you one more concept before we close. I'm packing it in tonight. I feel it. You were ready for it. Let me give you our second key phrase, and I want to introduce this to you. Because much of this revelation, these patterns for the Jewish people you know a lot of them happened when they were outside of the land of Israel. So I don't want you to mistakenly think that it only applies to the Jewish people when they're in the land. Well, there are certainly some commandments and some promises that only exist inside the land. Like you can't fulfill the promise of having the promised land if there is not a promised land. That was pretty sound logic. You also can't necessarily deal with the same harvest you know, details if you're outside the land, maybe uh, another country's land or weather works differently. But a good majority of, of what God is promising and what he's commanding them can happen inside the land or outside the land. And it's an expectation of God, especially in the moral code elements, is that it continues to happen outside the land if that's where you are. And we call that the jurisdiction of Israel. The jurisdiction of Israel, this is a key, key phrase you can put up on the slides. The jurisdiction of Israel explains the authority of God and the continued calling of the Jewish people wherever they live, even if it is for a time outside the land of Israel itself. You say, do you have any examples of that? Yeah. The Torah was given to Moses outside the land of Israel. All the feasts and festivals were given outside the land of Israel. You could just read through the Torah and you can understand all that has to happen, even if you're outside. I'll give you a couple of them here uh, real quickly. Exodus 12, 20, eat nothing made with yeast, talking about the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Eat nothing made with yeast. Wherever you, live, you must, uh, wherever you live, you must eat unleavened bread. Wherever you live. Well, what if I don't live in Israel? Doesn't matter. Wherever you live. Leviticus three seventeen: This is a lasting ordinance for the generations to come. Wherever you live, you must not eat fat or any blood. Leviticus 23:3, there are six days when you may work, but the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, a day of sacred assembly. You are not to do any work. Wherever you live, it is a Sabbath to the Lord. You know, Sabbath doesn't like die when you leave Israel's borders, it exists because the promise exists. Numbers 35. This is to have the force of law for you throughout the generations to come wherever you live. And you can go back and fill in all the context because all of these passages where it says wherever you live was preceded by a long list of commandments. Do these no matter where you live. That's called the jurisdiction of Israel. Wherever there is a Jewish community, wherever there is a Jewish family, whether it's in Israel or outside of Israel, they are still called to be a kingdom of priests no matter where they are. This, my friends, is how Israel is supposed to look. A leadership nation, a treasured possession, an example nation, and a priestly nation. And you cannot do any of those things if you look like the world around you. You disqualify yourself and you say, Pastor Chad, that was some really good history, we really appreciate it. It feels like tonight's lesson was far away from me. Friends, it's not far away from you. Please remember, New Covenant believers, you were also called a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And that same dynamic of living a consecrated separate life according to the word of God applies to you. No matter who you are or where you live, that same principle applies to you. And that's why there's tension sometimes in our life. Should I act like that? Should I participate in that? Should I celebrate like that? Should I eat like that? Should I dress like that? And what I want to encourage you tonight is when you feel that tension, just go back to the word of God and ask the Holy Spirit, how are you asking me to live? because you too are a kingdom of priests. But with that calling comes that responsibility. And you too, you get major revelations, just like the Jewish people got, because you have the Holy Spirit. The world doesn't have that. So don't let tonight's lessons be far from you. As a matter of fact, I think tonight's lessons was specifically for you that as we turn into this next version of a new year think about how you live think about your calling prayer team now's the right time prayer team if you'll come up tonight if you just need to take a few moments in prayer ask the Lord what is your calling and then ask him am I living out my calling am I what I'm supposed to be Do I look like what I should look like in my choices and in my life? Over the last two weeks, we've answered a lot of questions. We've answered, what is Israel? Who are they? Who is a Jew? Why was Israel called? Why was Israel chosen? What was Israel supposed to grow into? Where was Israel supposed to be located? What was its borders and its map? What is this jurisdiction of Israel? Where do the commandments apply? How does how do you act like a priestly nation? We've answered a lot of questions. But I don't want you to leave here tonight without asking the Lord your questions. What am I supposed to look like? What am I supposed to live like? Our prayer team is ready. We're going to worship again for a few minutes before we close, but let me pray over you, Father in heaven. Father, we're just so impressed What a great father, creator, God, ruler, lawgiver, powerful helper you are. You give laws for our good. Let us remember that. God, you've called us all, if we're believers in Yeshua tonight, from any nation, either in the room or watching, we are a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. And it is time we start living like one. That means tougher choices. It means more discipline. It means not looking like the world. It means living separate from the world, being infused with Holy Spirit power that is attractive to a world that is losing hope quickly. Thank you for calling us into this, but also empowering us to live a life that's not necessarily easy to live when you're living upstream, against the grain all the time give us hope. Give us encouragement. And give us passion for your kingdom, we pray in Yeshua's name. Amen. Come and receive prayer. We're going to worship and then we'll close in just a minute.